Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Hey, this morning we're in uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 8. And so if you have a Bible, um, certainly invite you, uh, encourage you to uh, follow along there. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's a seat in front of you, and today's text is on page, nine, uh, page 813, and we're flipping the page to 814. So uh, let's follow along as, as the word is read. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Amen. Thanks be to God. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, we we follow up every week with a reading from Isaiah 40, 7 and 8. That says, The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for uh, where, where your word constantly um, and, and, and just over and over again meets us, um, reminds us, teaches us um, just who you are, um, who we are in your sight. And uh, so, so, Lord, this morning I pray that you would, you would um, just speak to us through your word in a, in a powerful way that you would awaken our hearts to your grace, um, that you would awaken our hearts in a fresh way um, to, to the forgiveness um, that those who have been bought uh, by the blood of Jesus have. Um, and so, Lord, help us today to, to just be reminded of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. I don't know about you, but oftentimes, as, this, as the song we just sang, uh, I feel that I am very aware uh, that my flesh is weak. Anyone else? Just me? Uh, my flesh is weak, uh, but, but God in his mercy um, is, is strong for me um, and, and provides strength for me. And so um, I, just, I pray that today, I, there's a lot of sickness going around. There's, it's, is anybody tired? Is anybody weary, heavy laden? Katie's like, no, not at all. I got a whole two hours last night. I'm just, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired, often weary, um, and I'm really grateful that, uh, that our Lord has a, a very um, intentional, clear invitation to us um, in, in, those, in those moments, that it's not the strong um, that, that come to Jesus, it's those who are weary and heavy laden, um, and that, as we'll read this morning in just a little bit, that, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and so whether you're, you're physically tired today, emotionally, spiritually, uh, Jesus invites us um, and then reminds us that it was in the moment of not only, our, not only our physical weariness, but in the moment of our being completely estranged from God, 
um, in our sin that Christ died for us. Um, so I just pray that that, that fuels, fuels us. Um, you know, I've, I've kept up all week with, with, with what seems to be going on in, in uh, Kentucky with a, with a, with a revival happening. Um, and that's, that's very exciting. Uh, but, but I hope that as we see that, as we rejoice with what's going on there with our brothers and sisters, that we're also able to see that just even today, um, in what feels like a very ordinary day, um, what feels like, hey man, I'm just dragging myself in, that we realize that, that God's grace is supernatural, uh, whether we are on the mountaintop or whether we are in the valleys. Um, and, and that today, through his word, um, through his son, he speaks very loudly to us all. Um, and so I just pray that, that, we, that we get that. Um, today in particular, I am grateful that the, that, the, that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever because today in our text, we're gonna see that Jesus has the authority and the power and the willingness to forgive sins. Um, that's a glorious message. Um, really, in, in many ways, uh, the, the text of Matthew 8 and 9 really kind of climax at this point in Matthew 9, 1 through 8. Uh, that Jesus has authority to do many things, but ultimately, our greatest need and his highest achievement, Christ forgives sins um, and has the authority to do so. Um, and so I'm gonna just invite us even now um, to, to, really, to, to, to really pay attention and lean into that. Today, we're really gonna see just some of the, the, uh, the, 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 the amazing um, content of what Matthew writes um, and we're going to see just a couple of things. But before we do that, I'm, I'm reminded of the testimony of two uh, individuals who at one time were part of Grace Harbor um, and, and, and at one time who, who came to faith in Christ. Um, and I've told this story before. In fact, I told this story when we started our series on Matthew. Uh, but I'm reminded of their testimony that they were living in another state far, far away um, not be- they, they were not believers. Um, they, they had really, they, they actually grew up in Oklahoma and amazingly were unchurched, um, people who had never really gone to church. And it wasn't until they were moved to another state um, that they were uh, invited to church by a friend. Um, and, and over the course of about eight to 12 weeks, the pastor of this church preached a um, they were there for eight to 12. Now, don't, don't hold me to this because for eight to 12 weeks, I think he preached the book of Matthew. It took him eight to 12 weeks. Um, and, and maybe he was a little bit more concise than, than I have been. But for, for several weeks, he preached through a, one of the gospels um, and, and literally just highlighted um, who Jesus was in this gospel. And over the course of these, these, these weeks, these people who had never been churched were so amazed and astonished at what kind of person Jesus was. And they came to faith in Christ and, and, and were saved and are following Jesus even to this day. And so it's really this spot in Matthew 8 and 9 where there's a culmination that should astound us that Jesus not only has authority over sickness and, and disease and, 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 and uh, over, over demons and over nature, but Jesus in this text today, Matthew presents to us a Jesus who has authority to forgive sins. Hey, that should excite us. Maybe I'm not that exciting right now. I'm kind of tired. But, but I hope that the Spirit would break through that and remind us right now that our greatest need is for the forgiveness of our sins. 
And if you have been forgiven of your sins, you have received God's most precious gift that he could ever give. Salvation through faith in his son, Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you have not received this forgiveness of your sins, I would just appeal to you that the greatest thing that God could do in your life that you could place your faith in is the work of his son so that your sins would be forgiven. And so I just want to to pose it in that way. And so over the course of these weeks that our friends were there, they went from not knowing anything about the Bible, not knowing anything about God, but were so captivated by a Savior who has the authority and the power and the willingness to forgive sins that God just captivated their hearts. And listen, hey, I love theology. Don't, some of you do too. We love theology. But man, some of the most simple theology, profound theology, is that, is that God in Christ has forgiven us of our sins. May we be straight on that, okay? So today really isn't gonna be very complicated. I think the text is pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty clear, um, and, it's, and it's, pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty, I think, provocative uh, because of the way that Jesus interacts. There's really two things that I want us to see in today's text. Um, if you're with us two weeks ago, we ended uh, Matthew chapter eight on the note of not only Jesus' power over sin and over Satan, but also the mission of Jesus, uh, we saw that Jesus had left one spot, had literally gone across the sea to, to, to encounter these two demon-possessed men. And then in Matthew chapter 9, it says that he goes back to where he started, Capernaum. And so Jesus set out on a very specific mission to a Gentile land, to demon-possessed men, to, to heal them. To, to cast these demons out. And it all is, 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 it falls under the mission of Jesus in Luke 19 that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I just don't want us to forget that theme and that thread as we go into today because we see it again before us. And so let's, let's read. Um, there's two things that I wanna highlight today and, 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 I, and I hope to get it done quickly. Uh, the first thing is, the first thing that we see is what kind of savior Jesus is and the second thing is what authority Jesus has in this text. What kind of savior Jesus is and what authority Jesus has. And so we're just gonna walk through this text. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop more than I, than I normally do. But it says, in getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now, real quickly, um, you can read a much lengthier account of this story in Mark chapter 2. Um, I believe it also appears in Luke, but in Mark chapter two, there's a, there's a much lengthier account of what all goes in here. What Matthew doesn't do is he doesn't give us the, the ooey-gooey details of these friends who cut a hole in the roof. Um, imagine being in your home and uh, all of a sudden seeing, uh, seeing like a saw come through and you, you look up and you're just like, what in the world is going on? Matthew doesn't give us all those details. And there's a reason why. 
And, it's, and, and I believe it's because Matthew has a very, uh, very specific and very direct theme that he's working to establish, that he's already established. And, and, and by the way, Jesus gives us what this theme is. I, I, let me just go ahead and give it to you. Verse six says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Can I just say that as fun and as, and as entertaining as all the details that Mark lays out, don't miss the main point of this text. The main point of this text that Matthew is trying to communicate to us is that the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, has authority to forgive our sins. Hey, that's the, that's the main point of the text. I know, I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm like, hey, I, wanna, I want all the gossip. I want all the details. I want all the, all the extras there, which Mark gives us. He's not saying he's gossiping. He gives us all those details, but Matthew is aiming for a very specific message here that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He tells us that is the point. And so you can read more about this in Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter two. Verse three says, and behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. So why would they have said that Jesus is blaspheming? Have you thought about that? Have you read this text and have you thought about that? Why would Jesus be blaspheming? Well, the, the scribes and the religious leaders would have known at this time that only God, just, just like the disciples earlier in Matthew chapter eight, who, uh, what kind of man is this that the wind and the seas obey him? The scribes and the Pharisees are pretty much asking the same question of Jesus. How is this man forgiving sins? Only God can forgive sins. And not only that, not only is it true that only God can forgive sins, but there is a there's a religious ceremonial way that you go about cleansing someone of their sins. And so these were being, they were, they were, in some ways, it's, it's easy to kind of dog these, these Pharisees and, the, and these religious leaders in this time, but really they're just, they're just being good church people, right? They're saying there is a way to go about the cleansing of sins. And so they're blaming Jesus of blaspheming in two ways, that only God can forgive sins, and that this man, Jesus, is not going through the religious rites and uh, ceremonial uh, aspects of how to cleanse someone of sins. And so that's kind of what's behind them saying he's blaspheming. He's blaspheming. Hey, uh, David, by the way, David in Psalm chapter 51, what does he say about sin? So David is writing about his sin against Bathsheba. David has sinned against many, many people there, hasn't he? He has sinned against Bathsheba. He's sinned against Uriah. He's sinned against his own men. And what does David say? Against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. All of our sin is ultimately sin against God. And so really what, what, the, what the Pharisees know that, that Jesus is doing is he is forgiving sins that only God can forgive. And, and Jesus goes on and says, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Let me just ask you a question real quick. Which one of those is harder to say? You can just shout it out. It's all right. Rise and walk. Which one, which one is, uh, let's see, he says, which one, is, which, one is easy, which one of those is easier to say? Just from a, let's just be practical. Let's be very practical for a second. Which one? Does anyone, does, who would say uh, rise and walk? It's okay, We're, like nobody's judging you. 
Nobody's judging you. From a very practical standpoint, rise on. Who would say your sins are forgiven is easier to say? The question's not easy, what's easier to do, right? The question is what is easier to say? And so this is, this is an interesting point in this text because Je- I was talking with, with Micah earlier. Jesus really is kind of using a, a philosophical argument here. That's not his primary thing. Jesus is God. He doesn't, he doesn't need all of those things. But Jesus really kind of uses something that, that maybe wasn't philosophical at the time, but there's a philosophical term for now. And what's that philosophical term? A fortiori. A fortiori. Now, don't try to say that. Don't try to spell it. Mike and I were simply talking about this, but, but here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying one of these is easier for someone just to spout off and there not to be any real evidence of immediately. And so Jesus is Jesus saying, hey, listen, I've told this man that his sins are forgiven. And then Jesus, Jesus himself pretty much tells us which one's harder to say because what he says then is, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Y'all see what's going on here? Jesus realizes that these people are saying, why is this man saying these these things, these blasphemous things? And Jesus kind of deploys this, this tactic with them and say, listen, listen, I could simply just say your sins are forgiven, and you may, not, you may not see any display of my power. But so that you know that my words have power to forgive, I'm gonna also do the, the, the harder thing, which we know that in eternity, right? Which one's the harder thing? To forgive sins. Who alone but God can forgive sins, right? We know what is the, more, the higher achievement, right? We know which one is the, is, the, is, the, is the grand gesture here that our sins would be forgiven. But Jesus says, listen, so that you may know that I have the authority to forgive sins, let me display a miracle here as well. Take you up your bed, rise and walk. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's really a, a really interesting thing that anybody can just say something. But Jesus has both the power to forgive and the power to heal. And oftentimes in the miracles, the miracles are not, we've talked about this, the miracles are not an end end in and of themselves, are they? The miracles seem to always point to a greater reality that Jesus has authority, that Jesus is powerful. And, And let me just make this claim, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is God. And then verse seven, he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. And so in this text, we're reminded of these two things. Uh, We are reminded what kind of savior Jesus is. And I really want us to see this. This, this, what kind of savior Jesus is, is really a theme across these two chapters that in the overarching theme of Matthew 8 and 9, we are shown a Messiah who is not only able to heal, but, but what else? Who is willing to heal, right? How did, how did the, uh, how did the leper, leper approach him in, in Matthew 8? Turn back there to Matthew chapter 8, uh, verse 2. What's it say? Behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, or Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
The, the, the grand theme of these two chapters, or a theme of these two chapters, is not only Jesus' ability, but his willingness to respond in compassion and in love to people who reach out to him. And, and, and we, we see that in a pretty powerful way. Look at, I mean, literally, look how Matthew wraps up these two chapters. Matthew, Matthew wraps up Matthew chapter 9 by, by saying what? That when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was moved by compassion for the, the plight of the people who approached him. The, these people were not hurdles or hindrances to the ministry of Jesus, were they? At no, at no point do, do we get, Jesus at no point says, I've got bigger and better fish to fry, which he, he ultimately does fry, fry some fish, right? Um, with his disciples, that'd be fun. Fish fry with the Lord. He, he does fry fish, and maybe that was, I don't know, this is total conjecture. Maybe that was just symbolic of just saying, I have fried all the fish, now I'm gonna fry real fish and we're gonna eat together. And so Jesus, Jesus shows us that he's not only able to heal, but he is deeply willing to heal. That this Messiah that Matthew is communicating to these people who had long expected a Messiah to come, that this Messiah was driven by a great deal of compassion. He is not stingy with his grace, but he is full of grace. Amen? That Jesus is not stingy with it, but full of it. Jesus is, this text shows us that Jesus is driven by eagerness and concern to forgive sins. So, so let's, let's just move this beyond the healing components of the ministry of Jesus. But even in the, his eagerness to forgive, Jesus is deeply eager to forgive sins. Look, look what happens. I, I cannot explain this, okay? Listen, there's a lot of people out there who will try to kind of make draw conclusions and form theologies around what happens in, in, in 9 verse 2. I don't know that that is very smart or wise to do. We just, sometimes the, the ways of God are mysterious to us, amen? But look, look what he does in, in verse 2. That shows his eagerness to forgive sins. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. You notice the men don't say anything to him. Not in this text. I don't, I think I've I read Mark two. I don't think in that text, they really say anything either. They just lower him and Jesus sees their faith and says, your sins are forgiven. So the men say nothing. Jesus simply observes the sincerity and the presence of their faith and responds to it. Now, where people try to form all kinds of theologies and it typically goes really wacky and haywire is like, hey, you know, find you people who build you up and don't tear you down, right? Joel Osteen just loves that message. Like, hey, you know, get, get all the haters out of your life and find people who's gonna bring you to Jesus. Hey, that, get people who are gonna bring you to Jesus, amen, right? But... Jesus, the point of this is not necessarily the friends. It's not even necessarily the men. It's that Jesus shows an eagerness and a willingness to forgive this man's sins, to forgive their sins. And so the second thing that we, that we see, and we must know if we're going to see what kind of savior this is who is willing to forgive sins, the second thing that we see is the authority that Jesus has. And that's in verse six again. Let's read verse six together again. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and walk. 
that willingness that Jesus extends, that that, that willingness of Jesus to heal extends in this text beyond his willingness merely to heal physically, but the readiness of Jesus to forgive us of our sins. Jesus is not only willing, able, and eager to address this this man's felt needs, but even more deeply to forgive the sins of these men. One, One commentator calls this Christ's highest achievement and man's greatest need. That man's greatest need and Christ's highest achievement is forgiveness of sins. What a beautiful thing, right? Sinner, in the room that you may know God through the forgiveness of his son, Jesus. And if you're a saint, you have been given forgiveness. You have been forgiven. It has been in the past. One one guy says it this way, Christian, your judgment day has moved from the future to the past because of Christ. And so that's the, the eagerness of Jesus to heal and to forgive. The way that I wanna wrap this up is to read three passages of scripture that just, kind of, uh, that just kind of sink our feet into this reality. And I'm gonna actually ask some of you to read this. I meant to have these on the screen this morning. But these are, these are the, the texts that I want us to read. Um, someone find Ephesians chapter one, verses seven through 10. Someone find Isaiah 55, verse six through nine. And someone find Romans 5, verses 1 through 8. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10, Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 6 through 9, and Romans 5, 1 through 8. Who's got the Ephesians passage? Thomas. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Amen. Isaiah 55, six through nine. Man, that's a, that's a very beautifully and often, I don't know how to say it, maybe misunderstood passage. Has, has, anyone, ever, has anyone ever told uh, spoken this passage over you, maybe when you're in the midst of a great trial and they're trying to help you understand that, you know, God's ways are just higher than ours and we just don't, we just don't understand? Has it, I, I'm gonna raise my hand. Anybody else? So, and, and, and that, by the way, um, one, of the, one of the safe and uh, healthy ways to approach the scriptures sometimes is not always either or, but sometimes both and. 
Yes, God's ways are higher than our ways, even and especially when we are in the, tri- in, in, in the midst of trials, right? And so oftentimes, I've, I've maybe even spoken this passage over someone when they're in, in a really big rut or they're in a really big struggle. Hey, brother, listen, the, the Lord's ways are just higher than our ways. We just don't understand. But did anybody catch kind of what the, the context of this passage is talking about the higher ways of the Lord in response to what? Anybody catch that? You can just holler it out if you see it. Okay, let's read it again. Let's read it again. Let's read it. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, high, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. Say that again. His pardoning, his mercy, his willingness to have compassion on us. I need to hear that because the Lord's ways and thoughts are much higher than mine because I am oftentimes much less eager to forgive and show mercy than God, Right? And God is saying, hey, these are a wicked and stiff-necked people that I am calling to, to, to turn to me, to seek the Lord while he may be found that he would forsake his ways. Why? So that the Lord may have compassion and pardon him. And I'm just gonna tell you, it is really good news this morning that we have a Father in heaven whose ways and whose actions and whose responses are much more eager and compassionate and willing to forgive sinners than I often am. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts higher than ours. He will abundantly pardon. Man, what a beautiful truth. Hey, listen, intellectually and, and cosmically and you know, sovereign, all those ways, God is, God is so much higher than us. But, but the scriptures tell us that it is, it is really in the willingness for him to have compassion and pardon on other people that we might see the highest form of God's ways and actions and thoughts being higher than ours. Hey, I don't know about you. I have a hard time forgiving people sometimes. I have a hard time pardoning people sometimes. Just really let like I, I buy into all the, the cultural things and you know, we, we, like I said a couple weeks ago, we live in a very therapeutic time, which again, we're, we're, we're not just totally dogging on, but oftentimes, that, oftentimes in our culture, it, you know, unapologetically, it, it takes precedence over the word of God. And I don't understand the forgiveness of God. I don't understand the kind of forgiveness that God calls me to have. I don't understand the kind of compassion and mercy that God calls me to have because I would much rather listen to a lot of cultural messages than the word of God. But what I know is that what God's word tells us is that, is that not only is he calling us to be merciful to other people, but God is showing us that he is the ultimate merciful one. That we are those, and, and his ways are higher than our ways. We have sinned infinitely against God. Yet, because his ways are higher, because his thoughts are, are bigger, because his actions are, are weightier, he will, you hear that? Not only pardon us, abundantly pardon what a beautiful thing. And then Romans 5, 1 through 8. Someone take uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 8.
Amen. Amen. For while we were still weak. Guys, I, I, I just love the way that Paul uses his language here. He's, he's, again, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's pleading with us. He's pleading the, 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 the compassion of God. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, Paul is saying here is like, hey, very seldom would someone give up their life for a person who deserved it. But God shows us his love in that while we didn't deserve it, Christ died for us. And what a, what a, a beautiful truth that we have, that, that, that the kind of Savior Jesus is, is one who is willing and eager to forgive and that he has the authority to do so. And, and may we look no further than the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that to know that he is willing and eager, he has the authority to do so, but he also has the ability to forgive us, to pardon us abundantly, because he has defeated sin and death so that we may have peace with God through the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And so believer, please today, hey, just rejoice in that. That is something worth responding to in, a, in, a, in a, just a very profound way. That's something worth responding to that your sins have been for. Hey, when we come to the table every week, I hope that you hear, like I said last week, I hope that you hear the message that's being preached to you, that this is the the body of Christ given for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. That's a, that's a sermon, a mini sermon. Like I said last week, some of you wish that's all I would say sometimes in my sermon. And if that was the sermon that was preached, that would be enough. But so as today, as we come to the table, may we be reminded of that. that this is the, the body of Christ given for you, believer. The blood of Christ shed for you, believer. And for those of you who are not believers, may I just reiterate the, the point of today's text that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins and he is also willing and eager to do so if you will place your trust in his finished work to the cross and the resurrection. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. And the way in which you've shown us that great love through the giving of your son, through sending your son, and, and your word says in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Lord, I pray that every person in this room today would have, come, would, would, would have come or would come to a place in their life where they simply believe on what Jesus Christ has done for them, for us, for me, so that they may be saved. Lord, we rejoice in what you have done for us through Christ. May we respond now um, in gratitude 
uh, we respond in, in a really just a, a way of, of coming to the table and, and being reminded that I bring nothing and yet I walk away from the table with hands filled with a reminder of the work of Christ for me. I pray these things in his name. Amen.